Sometimes a movie comes along that takes something so familiar, maybe even dry and tired, and breathes new life into it to create something truly magical. Today, we're taking a look at Shakespeare in Love, and it is actually not that thing I just described, although it really tries to be. This is a film that tried to capture the crazy love in Shakespeare's play, Romeo and Juliet, but then also tell a parallel story of Shakespeare himself falling in love with a woman named Viola. It's a romantic comedy in every sense of the word, and it drops many references to Shakespeare's works along the way. But first off, what are these two cynical hipsters doing watching this romantic comedy about the triumph of love in the face of adversity? Well, spoiler alert, not enjoying it. We actually didn't pick this one. The Academy did. This is the Best Picture winner for 1998, and we talk a bit about why the Academy chose this particular film in the upcoming episode. This film is based on the premise that romance, true, deep romance, causes people to completely lose their mind and do stupid things for love. Now, this is actually pretty close to Shakespeare's original play, which is a tragedy, but this film is a romantic comedy and shows that in a positive light. Did it work? Well, I don't want to give the whole episode away, but in a word, no. There's a line in this film that resonated with me. Wilt thou leave me so unsatisfied? Will and Viola argue in bed over whose line that is, but it really belongs to the audience. Yes, this film did leave me so unsatisfied. There are people who disagree with us. This film garnered a 92% critic score and an 80% audience score on the review aggregator site Rotten Tomatoes. But both of us have some pretty strong feelings on why we don't like this film. So a word of warning to any fans of this film who may happen to be listening to this episode, we are about to take a huge shit all over this movie. So break out the sonnets, conjure up your inner bard, and get ready for a very heated episode of Peculiar Picture Show, the podcast that talks about movies, maladies, and mental health. Welcome to Peculiar Picture Show, the podcast that talks about movies, maladies, and mental health. I am one of your hosts, Maria Malazzo. And I'm your other host. I am Brandon Gregory. Uh, so if you listen to our last podcast, uh, we we have a random movie selector and it selected uh, Shakespeare in Love. It was the mm. 1998 Best Picture winner. And we we're trying to review all the Best Picture winners. So we're not just reviewing movies of our choosing about mental health. We're trying to see what um, like the pop culture says about mental right. health as well. So that's why we chose this one is uh, the Academy. <laughs> that's that's the only forest. reason. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I said, I had not seen it until now. And so I, I said at the end of the last episode, like, Oh, I'm going to reserve judgments. Um, and so I come into this with a, a clear open mind and I <laughs> saw it and I did not like it. <laughs> so, um, I know Maria, you were saying like you hated this as well, or well, you didn't say that you said you were dreading watching it. So, so, yes, yes, um, I'm very much dreading watching it. <laughs> it's just, it was so artificially upbeat um, that I just had <laughs> trouble getting into it, and so this actually won seven Oscars. Um, yes. and so but most notably, this one Best Picture, and mm-hmm. uh, like that is probably the most shocking part of this film to me is like how did this win Best Picture? Because I won't say it's terrible. It's not. It's not terrible. But for a Best Picture winner. Like, and this beat out 
Life is Beautiful, Saving Elizabeth, Private and, Ryan. Save, and of course, my one of my favorite comedies, The Big Lebowski, which didn't really have a chance of winning, but still, I think it was better than this film. So, the, the Big um, Lebowski was on it? I thought it was just Elizabeth, Life it, is it Beautiful, was not nominated. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Oh, oh, but you're just but saying it that. Years. It would rather, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things I would have rather picked that, yeah. Yes, yes. So... <laughs> so this one, I mean, some of the, some of the Oscars I saw, like it won Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design. Like, okay, that's pretty, you know, yeah, those are pretty good. Mm-hmm. I admit, those are good. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gwyneth Paltrow won uh, Best Actress, and so mm-hmm. you know, that's she did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. But Best yeah. Picture, I, you know, I was, and um, this movie and Saving Private Ryan swept the Oscars that year. They won probably most of the Oscars for every right. category. Yeah, um, and then there were a few other, a few others here and there. So mm-hmm. yeah, the whole entire um, time, yeah, that that. The, that's like all I did throughout this when I watched this and it was only this. I watched it back then because I used to be one of those people who watched all the Academy Award nominees just because especially uh-huh. back then when it was, I was 18, 19 or, or however. So I, I'm pretty sure I watched it. Um, but the entire time I was like, how the hell did this win an Oscar? So I just Google searched <laughs> how did Shakespeare in Love win this Oscar and I Mm -hmm. came upon an article and it was a couple of other articles that corroborated this, that there's a lot of CD politics and stuff behind the movie winning because it was produced by Harvey Weinstein. And it was the first time he, yeah, he bullied a lot of people into um, saying like bad things about saving private Ryan. He did. um, He uh, was about, so he's bad mouthing that he, um, he really, I think kind of, just like made all the actresses like go and do that. I don't know what it was. It was something horrible where he kind of bribed people and like made a big deal. Like he did a lot of show Uh politics and politics in the background that are not probably considered kosher just to like sway Shakespeare and love to be the winner. And so that a lot of people think it was because of Harvey Weinstein and what he did and how he kind of went about um, promoting the movie and, and really kind of fucking over the other people with his, uh, his shenanigans, which Harvey Weinstein is an asshole. <laughs> Since yes. then, we know that he is like very much a creepy, disgusting, one of those, he's like almost what is wrong with the world today. And my, <laughs> Like, we could all sum up with Harvey Weinstein, like, privileged asshole who thinks that, you know, he deserves to touch every woman and that he, you know, uh, like, he he should... I, I don't know. Very selfish. So I, uh, I think that's might be the reason why, because like when I was reading about it, it was one of the biggest upsets, Oscar upsets, um, because everyone thought saving private Ryan was going to win. So, yeah, which in my mind, probably, well, probably should have out of yeah. all of those that are even yeah. life is beautiful. Cause I saw life is beautiful. So uh-huh. anyway, it, it was just, I can't believe it. And then Judy Dench won for supporting actress and she was only in the movie for like, <laughs> like five minutes. Five yeah, seconds. So. <laughs> so. I mean, she was great, but should she have she been in the supporting job, actress? Like, I don't know. And then I even It was went, just such an over the top, like girl power role. And so I, I don't know if that was like, they were going to throw I, it like, oh, feminism. Like, I so, don't know. I really, yeah. I, and I, wish, I think a lot of the movies like, ooh, feminism, but only on the surface. Like it was, so such a surface it's like feminism cells yes yeah yeah exactly and so we and so i rewatched like harrison ford's delivery of the winner because he's the one who announced it and you could see him like Uh um 
Like, you can see he was kind of like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. yeah. So, so I thought that so, was funny. Well, that's that's actually that's better than my theory because uh, I had a, a little bit I was going to do. It's uh, first of all, let me back up. I'm a musician. I've been a musician like most of my life. And so I've, I've been performing like in front of audiences. And so I know like and I do this as a writer, too. Like there are a lot of times I will listen to something and be like, well, that's not interesting. Um, you know, or I'll, I'll play a song and be like, I want to do something interesting. I want to do something cool and different. And I, I just, after playing in front of crowds, I eventually came to realize like the things that are interesting for me as a musician are not necessarily the things <laughs> that are interesting for an audience. And so engaging the audience needs to be the first priority. And there are different uh, priorities and different strategies there. And so the reason I mentioned this is that this film felt a lot like it was fun for everybody on the other side of the camera. And so it tried very hard yes. to be impressive, to create mm-hmm. dramatic tension and scenes it tried to create impressive acting and it's not good when you look at acting you'd be like wow that is acting you know like it's acting supposed to be invisible and i didn't feel it was here because they just (laughs) went they tried so hard to do these over the top and so like it it, it's an actor's movie. And so I like it felt a little like the Louis C.K. scandal, like Hollywood was masturbating and watching me wa- make me watch. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Before I looked it up, it was exactly, I was like, this is like a Hollywood movie. Like this is a, yeah. one because Hollywood liked it because they got to do, and everyone in there is beautiful. And like, it, you know, it just seems like very much that that was what it, so I agree. <laughs> So that may also have played into why this won. And so, no, that's it. The Rotten Tomato score on this is actually fairly high. I think it's like 92% or something like that. So maybe it's just that you and I are extremely cynical, um, which I would not rule out. <laughs> but, yes. um, yeah, because yeah, there so. were a lot of people defending it on the internet, too. So, I yeah. mean, and it's just not our cup of tea, if you think about it. Like, I don't think nope. that this is like the type of movie that we seek out and that we, you know, get a lot from. So it's just the type of people we yeah. are. Yeah. And it's funny because I assumed this was going to be like an English major movie, but they're like, what's going on with William Shakespeare here is not like, I I don't think it pays respect to William Shakespeare. And I'll get into that later on in this podcast. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a big fan. And uh, like, I actually, I shared this with you earlier. I have notes on this and I have two pages of notes for the don't like section. (laughs) So we're going to get into some fun stuff here. section but maria what did you like about this film (laughs) um so i was trying to think about this and i'm like okay i guess it's kind of smart in that the way that the movie is structured because it's like almost like a meta movie because it's telling the story Mm -hmm. of how william shakespeare spear even though this is a fake story and it's not real but it's telling a fake a fake story about how william shakespeare wrote romeo and juliet while also having William Shakespeare play out the whole premise of Romeo and Juliet and him being Uh Romeo, you know, and uh, Viola being Juliet. So they are actually indeed like kind of star-crossed lovers in this movie. And then he's writing about star-crossed lovers. That was about the extent of my appreciation for the movie. Um, I mean, it (laughs) it, it could have been really good. I'm like, there's that kind of structure Uh and that kind of 
um like i kind of like it when like m- like art kind of comments on itself it's like almost like uh, would be art commenting on itself the only problem is it sucked and i hate shakespeare <laughs> i don't really like shakespeare i know that's a horrible thing uh-huh. for an, i think shakespeare is so overrated i do not like romeo and juliet that's like one of his worst plays. Yeah, right. his it's worst the popular most plays. Cliche yeah, one now. You, if you think about it, I mean, I know maybe back then I don't know, but whatever. It was almost like torture for me because I had to watch Romeo and Juliet twice <laughs> in this film because plus this and then this film, so it was like a little bit of torture every single time. And oh but, um, man, so so I mean, it it could have been probably really interesting and good if it wasn't so shitty so um so that was the Uh, only you know and i i guess now you know you said that i mean obviously yeah the set design the art design like um you you know maybe there were a lot of english major nerds that got a real kick out of seeing the rose and like that was cool you know in the beginning was that big dramatic like here's you know the theater and uh you know so I, i I don't know, but um, I'm just I'm not that big of a Shakespeare fan and I'm not a big fan of this movie, (laughs) but it could have had some good potential uh, there in my mind. What about you? Is there something that you like? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's I mean, the costume and set design were amazing. And this really did feel like, you know, Victorian era, Great Britain. It um, it that was great and i think it totally did deserve those oscars and um i like the final production of romeo and juliet was actually pretty decent um and mm-hmm. so you know again i'm not a big fan of that play in particular but this mini production is probably like the most i've liked romeo and juliet so that that was well done because i mean the movie was so over the top which i don't think worked for the film but it did for the play within the film yeah and so um that was it was surprisingly decent so i i don't know if it was enough to save this film but um there were there were some some moments in the end in the in the play within a play there so mm-hmm. yeah. but that's about it that's all i've got <laughs> so yeah not a very short list huh <laughs> yep the number like basically everything (laughs) but okay so there's like just 30 minutes of straight like Gwyneth Paltrow and Joseph Fine having sex and then quoting the the play and I'm just like I turned and uh, I don't think Chris has ever watched it so my boyfriend has never watched this and so I made him watch it last night and I just turned to him I'm like are you watching this is this ridiculous or what like they're just quoting Romeo and Juliet and this like 10 minutes has gone by and they're just having sex uh, and it's like let's show Gwyneth how many times can we show Gwyneth Paltrow's boobs in this movie you know uh, and how many times or they're just going to be just making out and having sex. Like, that's basically what the majority of the movie seemed like to me. I don't Uh know. I couldn't get past that. That was probably the cheesiest, worst part of the movie. And it's just, it's disorganized. It's, everything is just so overly, like, fake you know what i'm saying like because it's over the top and so like there's all these snippets about oh like let me have this line a plague on both of your houses in the beginning and then that <laughs> like ends some up, guy and shouting everyone, it out yeah right and everyone yeah. knows like this is you know that's part of the movie but and that's where and it's just so cheesy like i just 
Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't even. And I don't remember being so anti this movie the first time I saw it. And I saw it back when it first came out. I don't think I saw it in the movie theater, but I saw it. And maybe it was because it just did not age well. I think it really did not age well, this movie. Um, Maybe it was good back then, a little bit better. I don't know, you know, Um, but it just I I think it's you're just a little more mature now, too. Right, and it just comes across as like something that's been done so many times and something that is just here to like for Hollywood to masturbate at themselves, like you kind of just right. said yeah. there. And, and make um, us watch. Right. And and I don't like Shakespeare. And so like, oh, when they're, you know, so it just, it just piles that on top of that. There's no women in this film. And I mean, they're, they're, unless they're pleasing a man, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's very clear that um, this, I mean, I, that, so J- Judy Dench and Gwyneth Paltrow are like the only two real character, female characters. We have the nurse a little bit, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and, and maybe some of her mom, but I mean, uh, uh, everything else, like it, it's just such a, and I think it tries to be that movie where it's trying to make a statement about femininity and feminism and but it doesn't at all like it's totally failing it's just right. on the surface like oh yeah um women you know they should be able to act too you know but then in the end she freaking goes with him i mean uh, i just it's just so superficial <laughs> and on the surface yeah and she comes out like the in the beginning she's like i'm gonna be you know i'm gonna live a life of adventure and then like Freaking Colin Firth comes and says, I'm going to, you know, I need to, I need to marry you because of business. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> right. What the, what the fuck? It's, <laughs> what the fuck? It's, yeah. And then so, she falls all over Shakespeare just because he's like super talented. Like, right. It's just, uh, it's just really, uh, I'm sorry to the director or whoever. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm so confused as to how this movie uh, is still people like it. What about you? What did you dislike? Because I'm just going to oh ramble gosh. on and well, on yeah, forever. Well, that's about what I'm going to do. I probably got a big rant here. So I'm yeah, going to go through no, my you, notes. You do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I mean, I, the first thing, and this is probably the most minor of this section, I never really believed that Joseph Fiennes was William Shakespeare, or maybe I never believed that this character was William Shakespeare. I kind of had so- trouble right. separating the two. <laughs> and so it was almost like Kevin Costner is Robin Hood or John Wayne is Genghis Khan. It's like mm-hmm. that level of separation where I just could not see it. And mm-hmm. I, I think a big part of that, I, I, I think you and I both mentioned, you know, Shakespeare, we think is a bit overrated. But I mean, like, I have to admit, the guy did have some writing talent. He mm-hmm. was, you know, for his work to be remembered this long. He was, uh, you know, a bit of a creative genius. I don't think they're like the best things ever, ever written, but uh, he did write some good stuff. Um, and this movie just completely like shits all over that. Right. And so like the, the portrayal of creativity here, like one of the biggest lies surrounding creativity is that requ- it requires a spark of inspiration. Um, I used to work in advertising and that is such bullshit because you have to get things done on a deadline. And if anybody is going to know how to get things done on a deadline, how to be creative on a deadline, it's going to be William Shakespeare. And so there's this belief that creativity is like guessing a password or a game to hide and seek where you just need to find the right trigger, the right thing. And everything falls into place. And that's kind of the basis of this whole movie. And so, I mean, the reality is creativity takes practice and iteration. You need to practice creativity so that you can do it on command. Your brain just gets better at it. Um, and then you also have, it takes iteration. You have to be willing to take a lousy idea and work with it until it comes great. Mm-hmm. And so genius doesn't just appear. It doesn't materialize out of no, um, nowhere. You have to start with something bad and make it good. 
And so someone like Shakespeare is going to know this. He's going to be good at it. He doesn't need inspiration. He manufactures his own and he gets shit done on a deadline. And so uh, that like was just, you know, this Shakespeare was completely out of character, I think, for that. Mm -hmm. And so Shakespeare, he spends very little time actually writing in this film. It's implied that he starts sleeping with Viola and he's able to pull the entire play out of his ass basically overnight. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, yeah, you don't have any play. And then he has sex with her once. And then in like five minutes, he has act one. I was Mm -hmm. like, that is not how this works. You know, it just, it shits all over Shakespeare's talent. And then it wipes his ass with historical facts. (laughs) And so historical inaccuracy is like... Lord Wessex sweeps Viola away to his Virginia plantation. Uh, the Virginia colony would not be chartered for another 13 years. So I'm kind of surprised Lord Wessex did not arrive in a DeLorean to sweep her away. You know, like there's some time travel involved here. Um, here's the big kicker. Romeo and Juliet was not an original play. Um, there was uh, an Italian play that was called The Tragical History of Romeus and Juliet. It was oh translated God. into English 32 years before Shakespeare wrote his play. And so mm-hmm. Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet is actually an adaptation of an Italian play which was brought to England 32 years prior. And so, you know, as if, you know, he we already determined, you know, we already established he does not need inspiration, but definitely not for this one because it was kind of cut and paste. And then like at the end, they're like, Viola is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to inspire you. Start writing your next play, Twelfth Night. So in between Romeo and Juliet and Twelfth Night, Shakespeare wrote 10 other plays. So Viola just completely sucks as a muse, if that's the case. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm going to inspire you, but not for like, 10 years or something like that because you're gonna write 10 other plays and then there's you know i can't i could not believe they did this shakespeare's sonnet 18 like right. uh, shall i compare thee to a summer's day thou art so you know and so um you know he says oh i wrote this for viola no in real life it, it very much was a love poem that shakespeare wrote for another man yeah um and so <laughs> shakespeare's middle sonnets he wrote for his boyfriend basically he was married and he wrote his middle middle sonnets for his boyfriend and he wrote his last sonnets for his girlfriend on top of that so i mean shakespeare probably bisexual and the guy got around which you know mm-hmm. it's okay because your picture show doesn't judge uh but you know so um and so it's uh playing with some facts there um and then you mentioned like lots yeah. of facts it's so there's so many yeah. wrong things <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is almost complete fiction. And so right. it, the, the, the way this mirrors Romeo and Juliet, I felt sometimes it worked, but sometimes it really didn't. Right. Um, and so like the comical fight that breaks out at the theater while they're rehearsing a fight in the theater, like we get it, you know, it's like, you don't need to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they're following this plot so closely. But then the whole point of Romeo and Juliet is that it is a tragedy, and uh, and then they go and shoehorn in this happy ending where mm-hmm. it's, you know, oh, yeah, you're torn apart, but don't worry, we'll always have fond memories of each other. Like, no, it's <laughs> supposed to be a tragedy. There are numerous characters in Romeo and Juliet that actually condemn their love. Like Father Lawrence says uh, it's for doting, not for loving. In other words, like this is not love. This is, you know, some young, stupid thing mm-hmm. you're doing. And so the play is about tragedy. It's not about love. And so this is not a story of ideal love. And that's kind of what this movie is making it out to be. Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. is not a love story. It's about two young people like approaching dangerous levels of horniness and doing stupid <laughs> things because they have no life experiences. That is what this is. And I think Shakespeare, like... Shakespeare himself, the real person, was actually pretty cynical about love. And so most of his plays, you look at the role of love and it's not this magical thing. It's more like a curse to be endured. And it brings with it all these things. And I I don't think there's a lot 
you know, I don't think there are many players that are more cynical about love than this one because right. these two characters fall in love and just wreck everything. And so there's, you know, it's about people being young and stupid. And then what this film does is, you know, it's like, we're going to take those things that are teenagers doing young, stupid things, but now we're going to have 30 year olds acted out. Like it's not cute anymore, William. It's irresponsible. So <laughs> it's, uh, they, they tried to take this tragic thing and make it magical. And it, it just veered so far off course that um, it, for, for them to say, this is the story of Romeo and Juliet. I just didn't buy it. I think it says a lot. So I didn't get very much about mental health. Um, we do get a lot about mm-hmm. what it, what it, like you said, what it, what it's like to um, be creative, to be an artist, and what it takes to be an artist, and um, the suffering that kind of artistic people must go through, and how everything in, in the movie, the way it portrays it, is just so not right. It, it just that everything needs an inspiration, almost like anything can be cured by like having sex or like mm-hmm. <laughs> getting a little action with a like you know beautiful woman or like, you know, how everything's connected to that. Um, I think that um, that in itself and maybe thinking that that's the way things are solved could be a mental illness. No, I don't know. When I was went back to really disliking it, it just really superficially deals with women's issues. Um, women not, you mm-hmm. know, as I said, women aren't allowed to play in the theater. Even the queen at the end has a little kind of, you know, I know something about being in... Um, being in a man's position, a woman being in a man's job. Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. that's all. That's all we get from that. We don't get anything else. So it's like, doesn't even, it doesn't even go further to push that because it seems like she's rebelling. It seems like Viola is kind of rebelling. She had that little spiel in the beginning about how she's going to live a life and adventure. But then she, you know, I don't know what it was like in the time to be a woman. and But she just completely, you know, Lord Wessex comes and she's like, I guess I have to do it. It's my duty. It's my life. Um, that's what I have to do. The queen, um, mm-hmm. the queen says that. And then we get a little bit of the rebellion because she tries to tell the queen, you know, she kind of, I guess she talks back to the queen. She's a little sassy to the queen. Um, mm-hmm. And she gets away with it. So she does a little bit of rebelling. But at the end, nothing is ever resolved. And then at the end, when she becomes the actor, you know, and she's, you know, playing Juliet, and then she's like, okay, see ya. Bye. Like, there's so. Nothing ever really happens with that. It's like so on the surface and it's like, let's throw in all of this stuff, but we don't know how to deal with that. And we don't know how to like wrap that up as a movie and, and, and what we want to say about that. So therefore it's just going to be at the surface. And really this is all the women are obsessed with, with Dick in this movie. That's what it seems like. Mm -hmm. And, And that's the way women are, you know, it's okay. They go into that bar. And the all the women like you know go up to Will and they're like try and or the waitress and everything and he's like no it's okay don't worry about it we can still have a drink yeah it's okay that all these like women the whole point of a woman's existence is to give you pleasure Will like that's what he's like <laughs> yeah. that, it's okay you know and 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 he's doing that to Viola you have to be my muse and you're my muse and I'm in love with you so it's just 
I don't know what that's saying about mental health. I mean, this movie could have done a lot, I guess, if you think about it. It would have had a lot of potential to deal with the kind of those issues, and it really doesn't, um, but it tries to pretend to. And so it's just really superficial. So what about you? Because you seem to think, I think you seem <laughs> to have a little bit more on this than I do. It, mental health might be a stretch. It's, I actually, I looked at like, what's the kind of the driving factor in this plot is love at first sight because I mean like Viola I think falls in love with William Shakespeare even though she's never met him through his plays but then William Shakespeare falls in love with Viola in like five seconds Mm -hmm. and then chases her through the streets of you know midi is this London I don't even know Victorian (laughs) London um, trying to catch her because you know they're in love after five seconds and so like I actually looked into like what is love at first sight like you know Mm -hmm. is there any research on that what's actually going on here it's a common movie trope and a lot of people believe it happens in real life as well like I've heard couples describe their relationship as love at first sight and so people actually do believe this exists now I, like I'm somewhat cynical so I don't believe it exists yeah, but there are a either. lot of people who do so <laughs> and there's actually not a lot of scientific investigation into this because most scientists are like yeah that's ridiculous and they just don't do a study um, I did find one study though and so there there is some interesting stuff that came from that Love at first sight in lasting relationships is usually an illusion that couples create to enhance their relationships. And so they they kind of take their current feelings of commitments and they project them onto past memories because they want to give their relationship a stronger meaning. They want mm-hmm. to believe that their relationship is about more than random chance. And so they kind of inject their, their current feelings into their past memories. And this is called motivated cognition. And so it's, it's a thing. Um, and so like if a couple is like, oh, yeah, we've been together you know five years and it was love at first sight this is usually what's going on um, when is you know love is first sight it's only really claimed if a relationship comes out like if it's a successful relationship like if things don't work out or even worse if one partner feels that way but not the other mm-hmm. people don't tell stories about that like oh it was love at first sight just for me though not for her like right. they, can you imagine how creepy this film would be if Viola didn't feel the same way about Will oh yeah <laughs> like this this could be a horror film it could be like mm-hmm. yeah super creepy um and so you know of course like the falling in love at first sight is mostly physical attraction um and so according to the study the study found this men are more likely than women to fall in love at first sight because surprise surprise uh physical attraction is more important for men on average than it is for women Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so men are more likely to say it was love at first sight so i mean you know sexual attraction begins with physical attraction so in those first moments they're like oh i think you're pretty in the study physically attractive people were significantly more likely to have been described as love at first sight Mm -hmm. and so it's just, I mean, I think that's something we all knew, but right. it's just confirmation of that. Like, love at first sight is just, you know, you're pretty mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a little more to it than that because physically attractive people are often perceived to have other positive traits. And so um, somebody can look at somebody who is attractive and kind of put on their, you know, I, um, ideal traits on this person like oh this person's attractive he must be a nice guy um, or uh, you know I bet he's very good at his job or something like that they kind of put those on there and so that can also play into the love at first sight and then also I mean there's some people that are just kind of in love with love like they seek out romantic experiences uh, because these experiences make them feel special and they want to believe that romantic relationships are also special and it's you know to be fair like I think a relationship 
can be special, but I don't think a relationship starts out as special. I think it takes work. Like, right. uh, you know, attraction, maybe maybe it's attraction at first sight, but love takes work. And so, I mean, the the study, you know, it, it showed that love at first sight is a very... <laughs> um, shallow thing, which you know should come as a surprise to no one. Right. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it uh, there there are some reasons for why it happens, and so I mean there there have been a few times when I've you know seen someone in the middle like oh, I'm I'm in love, and then it just quickly faded when reality set in. Right. That's that's honestly about all I have though. I don't have too much. I am going to pick a random movie from our random movie. This is going to be good. Dances with Wolves. Ooh. 1990 Academy Best Picture. I actually, it's one of those where like, when I remember it as a distant thing, like I'm like, maybe this isn't as good as I thought it was. And then I watch it and I'm like, this is every bit as good as I thought it was. Yeah. Um, and it's it's one of the first movies to really give a sympathetic um, I toward Native Americans too, and so it's very mm-hmm. meaningful. Meaningful for me, yeah. Um, as uh, by rage, I'm part Native American. For those who don't know, so it's um, it's I think great film. So this will be fun. Yeah, yeah. It'll it'll be nice to it'll be nice to kind of revisit this again. I haven't seen it in a long time. Let me. I'm trying to find like a very quick description. Um, it stars Kevin Costner as Lieutenant John Dunbar, and he is um mm-hmm. assigned to a remote. Western Civil War outpost where he befriends wolves and Indians, making him, and this is from IMDb, it says making him Uh an intolerable aberration in the military. So, you know, he, um, yeah, basically the premise is he befriends Native Americans and kind of turns against the military. In, because yep. of it and um and so it's an epic movie and i always and this is probably i don't know if i uh if i'm like culturally appropriating your culture or anything when i say this but growing up i used to say that you know once i saw this movie that i am makes out with dogs because i love dogs makes out so with dogs. much and so i'm like yeah. if my my native american name would be makes out with dogs because i love to be with dogs so and i'm all right like when they kiss me so i'm sorry brandon that that is um, no, it's okay. is a i culturally appreciate. oh gosh <laughs> like if i were to pick if i were to pick kind of like a joke native american name it would be like naps with cats right. would probably be yeah, mine so it's so, similar um, so, <laughs> except with but, cats uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so i actually i i did look into my tribe's like language and some of their names and so if i were to pick a real native american name okay. actually uh Tes- teslin um mm-hmm. is a name a name from my tribe the clinket tribe uh, which means streams flow out like Ooh. as a lake or, mm-hmm. of a river and so that, that's something i strive to, to do is like, you know, I, I kind of have knowledge, I have wisdom, I kind of want that to go flowing out into the world. And so oh, that's a nice that's my, way my to serious moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So great. Well, um, so. I'm looking forward to seeing this movie and reviewing it with you. So um, would you like to uh, take us away? 
take us away. All right, you can visit us online at uh, peculiarpicture.show, and so you can stream all episodes there, and we have a few extras. We have, uh, like, some mini-episodes, some bios, uh, ways to get in contact with us. I also write my own movie reviews at brandontalksmovies.com, and I have some of my mental health writing at monsteronmyback.pub. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, we are at facebook.com slash show. so follow us there, interact with us there, and that's all I got. So I will see you next time. All right, we'll see you next time. Yeah, they're just like writing down their bedroom talk. I like, know, I know. <laughs> just, I'm come just on, like, man. This is what like yeah. dirty talk is. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, very uncomfortable for me. I was kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't really get because that uncomfortable. Hollywood was, was little... masturbating and making you watch. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was just like, oh <laughs> so. my god, like. <laughs> I couldn't even, (laughs) but yeah.